Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. The fact that in fasting, Jesus has this encounter with John the Baptist's disciples. And John's disciples come up to Jesus and they say basically, hey, how come we fast and the Pharisees fast, but how come your disciples don't fast? And you remember what Jesus said? He says, how can the wedding guests mourn and fast when the bridegroom is still with them? He says, but there's a time where the bridegroom will leave and then, then they will fast. And what he was saying is, I'm the bridegroom. I'm the husband. The church is the bride. And what he's saying is, I'm with them right now. Like my, my tangible presence is right here with them. And so there's no need for them to fast. But when I leave, then they will begin to fast. There's so much to that, but one of the important things we highlight is that that reveals that there's something so powerful in fasting that draws us near to the presence of Jesus. You see, they didn't have to do it when he was there, but when he left, he said, then they will do it. And there's something about turning from physical bread to consume him that draws the presence of Jesus in a greater way. Are you following me? In fact, Jesus actually said, they're not going to fast now. They're not going to mourn and fast while I'm still with them. And this is so important because he's teaching us that fasting is birthed from discontentment, not from satisfaction. So what he's saying is, they are, when, when, when Jesus leaves, you will begin to fast because you are discontent with the measure of Christ that you are experiencing. Which means when we're not fasting, we're content with the measure of Christ we have. And this is why we often see fasting not happening, I think, because we've become so content with all the things that we have now in the Western church. There's no longer a hunger for Jesus. But a church that is hungry will fast for Jesus. They want him. You follow me? So I want to share this scripture with you real quick. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. And uh, here's what we're going to do. These next three weeks, we're going to unpack three different aspects of fasting. Yes, the primary root is longing for Jesus, seeing Jesus, but you cannot deny the fact that when this happens, there's a lot that changes, and there's a lot of fruit that happens from this. And the three things we're going to highlight is that flesh gets conquered, unbelief gets conquered, and strongholds break. And I want to walk you through each week how we see these things happening as a result of fasting. And I promise you, be open to what the Lord is speaking Take notes so that you can properly enter into this fast of how God wants you. So what I want to do is read this one scripture, and then we're going to go into conquering the flesh. I want to share this one scripture because it, it has some foundational things that I just want to touch on before we jump full steam ahead, all right? So there's still an aspect where we're kind of recapping and finishing off last week. And this is what it says, Jesus' words. I shared this scripture just in speaking last time, but now I'm going to read it to you. Starting in verse 16, Jesus says, when you fast. Okay, so just remember, we, we shared that Jesus does not say if, he says when. So according to Jesus, there was an expectation that everyone that follows him will engage in a lifestyle of fasting. Fasting is not reserved for just the pastor or some spiritually elite. Why? Because actually it's an incredible privilege and gift to encounter and experience Jesus, and all of you have been invited into this. So when you fast, look at this. This is important. I want right motives when we do this. Do not look somber like as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Okay. He says when you fast, don't do it to be seen by others. There is nothing more that the heart of fallen man loves more than to be recognized for his accomplishments, especially religious ones. 
And Jesus says, be weary of this or in any time you do a spiritual discipline to do it for the motive of wanting to be seen by others. Now we may say, why is this being a hypocrite if people know that you're pursuing God this way? Here's why. Jesus was actually addressing motive. Fasting is meant to be something that expresses not just a hunger for God, but even more a love for God. And these individuals, these religious leaders, were engaging in an activity that was meant to display love for God, but they were really doing it to receive love from man. And he says, this is, this is wrong. This is, this is hypocrites. And he says this, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. This is also important. Because Jesus is saying the problem with doing this is not that you won't be successful. It's that you will be very successful if this is what you go after. If you're after the praise and admiration of man, you will receive that if that's what you go for. The issue with that is that it's not even close in comparison to the reward that God wants to give you. He says there's something greater than just receiving an applause from man. And when you receive it, that's all you'll ever have. But he says, but I invite you into a different type of fast. And so he says this in verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus says, don't do it for the eyes of others. Do it for only one set of eyes, God's. And I feel like God highlighted something to me. I just want to share, and then we'll move on. Is that one of the challenges with any type of private devotion to God is it will very quickly expose how real God is to you. You see, it's really easy to engage in activities where other people can see me, and that's where I find my purpose in it. But when you do something only for the eyes of God, it's hard to do that if you're not even sure his eyes are on you. It's really hard to engage in something. Let me tell you, fasting becomes painfully hard, not just because of the physical part, but if you're doing it only for God in secret, yet you're not even sure he's really there. And so a lot of times in these things, this is what actually God's exposed, is how, how real is God's eyes upon you? And the last thing he says here is that when we do it in secret, the last thing I want to share in this is that he will reward you. And this is so important, is if we, we can read into this, and if we're not careful, it can create a, a false mindset or an unhealthy mindset regarding fasting. We can actually enter into it as some dead religious work of where we're trying to earn something from God in, in the wrong way. Many times individuals approach fasting as thinking it's just me trying to punish myself to earn the favor of God. Many times we actually enter into it with an unhealthy view of suffering and say if I cause myself to suffer, the more unhappy I am, the more I suffer, the more I'm in right standing with God. That's what the pagans did. Do you remember when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? And he says, whoever fire comes down on these altars, we know who the true God is. And the prophets of Baal, when they cried out to their God, what did they begin to do? They begin to cut themselves. They actually hurt themselves and brought on suffering as a way to try to earn the attention of their false God. That is not what fasting is. But many go into that, and as a result, they fall under condemnation, and they really fall under idolatry of suffering. That is not what we're doing here. This is a love thing. We are lovesick for him. We are longing for the bridegroom. This is not any type of perverted uh, suffering that we're doing. You follow me? And the last thing with that is that even though there is a reward, there is a work involved. There's no doubt about it. It's, it is a labor. And as we shared in the first week, there are labors that Jesus invites us into that fosters love with him. This is a love labor. But 
we fall under, again, condemnation or we, we, uh, we find it very burdensome because the only way we see this as something from us to God. The complete context of this, though, is that first, before fasting is ever from us to him, it's first from him to us. Then it's through him back to him. How many of you view the word of God as a gift from God? Isn't that an incredible grace that you get to know God this way? Same thing with worship, right? Fasting is the same thing. See, many of us don't see it. We see it as something we are trying to offer up to God to prove ourselves when really it was first a gift given to God to us, from God to us. Let me, and here's why, and I want you to hear this. This is really important. Here's, um, here's an illustration the Lord has given me. I love food, so this, this has happened to me, and I've gotten really frustrated over it before. But have any of you ever set up a dinner with your spouse or family, friends, whatever it may be? For me, like the, the best place would be a steakhouse, right? Peter Luger's or something like that. Yep. Yep, that's of the Lord. So you set up, you've got a steak, you've lobster bisque, like this. But here's the point. Those things really satisfy me, right? So what I'll do all day because I'm sick with my food is I try to time out my schedule perfect to have optimal hunger when I get to that dinner at night, right? The problem is I usually mess it up. I won't eat a meal, but what do I do? I snack all day. And I snack usually on junk food all day. And then what happens is I sit at the restaurant and I'm furious because all the things I wanted to eat that would have really satisfied me, I'm kind of full now. But I'm not really satisfied. I'm just full. In fact, I kind of feel kind of gross because of stuff I've been eating when I could have had a steak. And the point is, is that this is a gift from God because what happens is, is we begin to consume things of the world, not even bad things necessarily, but good things from God. But we become so full on things that don't even satisfy us. But now we've lost an appetite for that which would actually satisfy our hearts. And so what God has done is he's given us a gift to say, I have something for you to basically restart your hunger to consume that which you would actually find the purest delight in, me. If we would see it like this, we'd realize, oh my goodness, thank God he's given us this gift of fasting to allow us to consume that which would actually satisfy us. You follow me? All right. So what I want to do in just these, these few minutes here, these last few minutes, is I want, to, I want to go into this realm of how fasting conquers flesh. Okay? Next week we'll do unbelief and then we'll do strongholds. This is so, so important because what we're talking about sits at like the heart, of, I feel like, of the Christian walk. And here's what I want to do. I want to explain to you, first of all, this dynamic of flesh and spirit that all of us walk, uh, all of us are facing as Christians. And then at the end, I'm going to show you how fasting allows us to, to walk by the spirit in a greater way. You guys with me? All right. So conquering the flesh, this is really, really important. When I say the flesh, how many of you know that there's flesh and spirit? How many of you have read that in scriptures? Okay. Lean into this. This is, can really help you grow a lot. When I say flesh, the easiest way to um, describe it is it's the self-life. It's the life that's centered on self. It's a life apart from the spirit. See, this is important because when we think of flesh, our first thought is things that are just blatantly disobedient to God. That's, that's, that's a part of it. But the flesh is anything that is just apart from God. It's the natural man. It's human reasoning. It's human wisdom. It's human thinking. It's human planning, right? To live according to the flesh is to live according to self. All of us found ourselves in bondage to self without Jesus, right? So it's self-love. Like we can't live for anyone else but myself without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus. It's self-focus. It's self-confidence. 
and in its most grievous form, it's self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I can be God of my own life. I can do this myself. And what happened is, is that when we were created in the garden, Adam and Eve had life by the Spirit. God breathed into them. Stay with me here. When God breathed into them by the Spirit and when they sinned, they were cut off from life by the Spirit, which means they were reduced to life of the flesh. They were reduced to the natural life. The one they were made for to live by the Spirit and resurrection life, they had lost that. Here's the good news. Jesus comes in and Jesus begins to give a living expression of life by the Spirit again. Jesus reveals to us, you remember what you lost to live by the Spirit? I've come so that you can have it again. I've come so that you can have the divine life again. You can have resurrection life again. I've come so that you may be connected to your maker again and live by the spirit and not according to the flesh anymore. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they essentially were cast out and they were in a forever downward spiral as a slave to their selfish desires. As all of us are without Christ, we are bound by the flesh by self, right? So Jesus comes in. Remember, Jesus comes in as man and God. He's modeling something for us. He is showing us how we live by the Spirit now. You see, he had the flesh as well, but he lived as laying down his life so that he would live by the Spirit. In other words, Jesus teaches us and models for us that we can too live by the Spirit now when we embrace the cross like he did. Jesus embraces the cross. It's not just a one-time event. This was a lifestyle that Jesus lived. In other words, Jesus continually lived a laid-down life, putting off the natural man that he was as well, so that he lived only by the Spirit. Are you following this? Just laying out, this is just laying out a foundation. Stay with this. So Jesus reveals you can too live by the Spirit If you follow this pattern of laying down the flesh and self and coming and living by the Spirit. The flesh is self-life. The Spirit is a surrendered life. And Jesus says this is how it is. I want to read the scripture to you. Luke 9, verse 23. Look at the screen. Look at this. This is Jesus' words. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus says, you have an invitation to follow me. What does he mean? You can live like I am living. You can walk. I am the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You can live in resurrection life. What is that? Two things, purity and power. Purity. Jesus walked in holiness, right standing with God. And power. The Spirit of God, Jesus, when he spoke, the dead came alive. When he laid hands on the sick, they were healed. When he laid hands on the bound, they were set free. This is resurrection divine life. And Jesus, think about this. He's saying, guys, do you want to follow me? Follow me and walk in this. You can walk by the Spirit again. But what does he say? Here's the the gateway, though. You must deny yourselves. You must deny self. You must deny that life that wants to live independent of God and thinks he knows what to do. And the more you lose self, the more you will see the spirit life living through you. He actually says how often we have to do it. Must deny themselves and take up their cross once. (laughs) Daily. Jesus gives an invitation to say if we live a life of daily laying down our life, 
We have the incredible reward of living by the Spirit and living as Jesus lived. How many of you want to live like that? Do you know that you will never be fully satisfied until you live as an image bearer of Christ? You've been given an opportunity to walk like Christ did. And the devil will lie and say, man, it's too extreme, it's too much, man, stay here. But actually, you will come alive when you start walking in this manner. The problem is, is that we can't walk in this manner until we see that the flesh is desiring to stay in control and dominate and guide our lives. We need to say, Lord, break this thing that I would come under the current of the spirit now. Are you with me? And so he says, whoever wants, meaning there is an invitation to all of us to walk this way. Every single person has an opportunity to walk in this way. And the word that really stuck out to me is wants. Jesus said, whoever wants. That's, you know what, that's desire. My friends, he says follow me. You know there's different measures we can be following. People in this room right now are following Christ and living by the Spirit in different measures. The question is, how much are you willing to be emptied of yourself so that you become a full expression of Christ? That is the question. How much are you willing to lose every part of your own life for the sake of gaining that which is far superior, the life of Christ living through you? So he says, whoever wants. The Spirit of God will produce a desire in your heart, but you have to yield to that and say yes to it. And the Spirit of God desires this. The Spirit of God within you. Every person that's been born again of the Spirit right now, that Spirit inside of you jealously longs to follow after Christ and live this way. The problem is you have flesh as well as I do. And the flesh desires to remain or go the opposite way. How many know there's a real battle right now that you face that's called flesh and spirit? Look, I, I, want, I want you to catch this because when you understand this, this foundation, you understand how powerful fasting is and what it actually, one of the things it does. Paul speaks over and over in Galatians and Romans. How many have ever read it? Paul speaks over and over about this inward war, the war within of flesh and spirit. And he basically says many different ways how the flesh desires things. He says, but don't walk by the, uh, by the flesh. Don't set your mind on the flesh, but walk by the spirit. Gratify the desires of the spirit. And Paul is continually talking about an inward war that wages within every man. Look, I don't have to, I don't have to speak to you much more on that to convince you that if you've been saved for like a day, you know of the inward war that wages of flesh, self-life versus the surrendered life in Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, there are times where I'm overwhelmed by the pull of the flesh in my life. I'm just like blown away of, man, I, 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 can't, I can't even like wrap my mind around. There's, this thing feels so strong. It just wants to be dependent and, and it wants to be self-sufficient without leaning on God and living in humility. There's a pull. I, I, I picture it this way. There's two gravitational pulls, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is pulling downward. A life away from Christ, again, of independence. The spirit has an upward pull. The kingdom of God wants to pull you up. What's that? Resurrection life. These two things are pulling on you. And what fasting does is it actually enters into a unique way of breaking that pull of the flesh and bringing you back into the upward stream of the spirit, which is what you were made for. I'm going to share in a minute how that happens, or one of the ways at least, but this inward battle, like if you feel at times in your life like, man, I feel overcome by, again, it's not even necessarily bad things, but I feel so distracted and consumed of just things, and I've lost an appetite for God. God has given us the gift of fasting that breaks that pull and brings us back into the upward stream of the spirit. 
I want to see a house that is filled with the spirit, that lives spirit-lived lives, that lives resurrection lives. And I know that I'm in a house that people want that. People want that. But if we're going to do that, the Lord says we have to enter into this type of life. We have to embrace the cross on a daily basis so that we lose ourselves. Fasting, this is why, look, fasting isn't easy. This is why. Because it's a violent assault on the natural man. This is why it's hard. Because your natural man wants to stay in control and the spirit wants to lead you. If any of you have ever fasted, you know, and you've been seeking the Lord, you will find out how strong that flesh is that wants to stay in control. And so when you fast, you are violently assaulting and killing that thing to say, God, I desire to live by the Spirit now. See, coming, just adopting Christian language will never be able to conquer the self-life. Stringing together consecutive weeks of attending home church will not conquer the self-life. Do it. You should. You, see, you, ha- you need the Spirit's enablement to break the flesh. And God has given us fasting to fix our gaze on Him, and it's in seeing Him And this is where we're going to go, where we're actually captivated by Jesus. This is how the Spirit of God puts to death those desires. Look at this scripture, Romans 6.4. It's on the screen. You can follow there. Romans 6.4. says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So Paul's saying we're buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Wow. Paul says there is new life available for every person in this room. There is resurrection life available for every person in this room. Yes, there is a first time surrender where you'll be born again of the spirit and you'll begin to experience it. But even after that, the walk still continues. And every day we have to continually embrace the cross and lose self. And there is a new life that awaits us. A life of purity, a life of power that lives like Jesus. But the more that I, Andrews, try to stay in control of my life, I will not see that happen. John says, I must decrease so that he increases. I must be completely laid out so that I can be filled with the Spirit of Christ and he's the one who leads me. Philippians 3.8, I'm just going to read this to you. Because some of us, sometimes we can actually make losing ourselves a form of idolatry as well. Many times we talk about we need to lose ourselves, we need to die to self, which is so true. The problem is we're not seeing that Jesus says that because there's something better waiting for us. And if you don't see that, you'll just find yourself left in this middle dead state of religion. Look at at what, I'm going to read this to you, what what Paul says in Philippians 3.8. Apostle Paul has an impressive resume. He's done amazing things. And look what he says. He says, yes, everything else is worthless. He says, all that stuff I did is worthless. How does he come to that conclusion? When compared, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, Paul didn't just come to a conclusion that all that he pursued and all the things of how he could boast in himself was worthless by itself. It took coming to know Jesus. And when he saw Jesus and experienced Jesus, he said, oh, my goodness, everything I once held so dear Everything I once thought was so valuable is nothing in comparison to having the king now. I pray that each and every one of us could say the very words of Paul. That the more we taste Jesus and see Jesus, we too would say, wow, everything I once thought was so important in my life. Everything I once prioritized, it's nothing in comparison now to walking with him. 
Look at the screen. I want to read this to you, Philippians 3, 18 and 19. I told you, I feel like this is really equipping and preparing time for what we're going into. I'm sharing this because I want, this is one of the things God's going to do in your lives in that week that we gather together. And I pray it's not just a week of fasting. I pray that you would embrace a lifestyle of this. But one of the things, if you feel like you're in bondage to things, God's going to break it. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Look at this. Look what Paul says. Paul says this. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. Look at this. This is, this is, a, this is a father of the faith. says, I am burdened in my heart over this. What is he burdened by? That many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, wait a minute. We, Jesus just said if you want to live by the spirit and resurrection life, you have to embrace the cross. Paul is saying my heart is broken that there are many who are denying that reality because they don't want to lose self. Look at this. Why, why are they enemies of the cross? Verse 19. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their appetite. Their fleshly desires. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Jesus says, you want to live by the Spirit? You want to walk with me and follow me? You can have all of me, but it requires you to lose all of yourself. But you'll get me. Paul says, my heart is grieved that many aren't embracing that reality. Why? Because they've made their stomach their God. Not just food, they've made their fleshly desires their God. In other words, the summary statement is, those who are enemies of the cross are those who cannot say no to their fleshly desires. They want to, but they can't. Man, have you ever been there? I, have, I am there many times feeling overwhelmed by the pull of things. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do these things, but there's just a really intense battle that wages with, within us. And the response many times is I work tirelessly trying to beat these things, and all that I really do is just manage them for a season or I manipulate these cravings, but I don't really get rid of them. You see, we're not just looking to see. If you try to do this in your own strength, all you'll do is suppress these things. You won't actually evict them. Fasting brings us into the empowerment of the spirit that will actually start to evict things in your heart and bring about true transformation. God has more for you than suppressing things for a season and then just going crazy again. And fasting is one of the ways of which God does this. There is a scripture I read this week in Isaiah 14, 14. We can put it on the screen as well. This is actually a scripture regarding Lucifer, Satan. And it says that he said this in his heart. And I want, you, I want you to see this. This is what he said in his heart before his fall. He says, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. But listen to this. I will make myself like the most high. Now, we read that. And my first thought is, well, I'm good. Because Satan is basically saying, I'm going to be God. Now, most people in this room know that's, that's wrong. <laughs> So we discredit this and say, I'm in the right place. But do you know that we're called to be image bearers of God? So we're not called to be God, but we bear his image. We express his nature. God wants us to be a full manifestation of the living Christ. Do you follow me? And what you need to see in the scripture is that Satan was not just in the wrong because of what he was going after. He was also in the wrong of the process of getting there. Because he says, I will make myself. The self-made man. This is... See, this fall, I fall in this trap all the time, is that God has called us to be image bearers. The problem is when we say, I will make myself into the image of Christ. I can do it myself by my own determination, by my own discipline. Listen to me. 
This is what fasting does. You cannot be formed into the image of Christ without the work of the Spirit. And fasting is actually an expression of humility to say, God, I've got stuff that needs to go, and I can't do it. I need you, Lord. And it actually says, God, I'm dependent upon your strength, Lord. I can't form myself into the glorious promises you have for me, which is to look like Jesus and talk like him. So, Lord, I push away everything to depend on you. I hunger for you, Lord. And here's, here's where I'll finish off. Are you guys with me on this? I want you to see how fasting really connects to this. And this is where we'll, we'll launch in for next week. But verse 19 of, of Philippians 3 at the very end, it says this. It says they, their mind is set on earthly things. So Paul says there's enemies of the cross. Enemies of the cross are those who cannot say no to their fleshly desires. And why can't they do that? Because their mind is on earthly things. We talk about this often. They are consumed and beholding, and they've set their attention on the wrong thing. And where you set your attention is where you'll go. That which you fix your gaze on actually begins to manifest and increase in your life. This is why Jesus said, behold me, and you'll begin to look like me. The problem is their minds were set on the wrong things. This is why fasting, and you, I need everyone to hear this, because if not, you'll fall into a, a dead work. Because it's not us that's breaking things in fasting. It's the Spirit of God. And this is how he does it. One of, at the most foundational level, what fasting does is it, re, re, uh, it grabs our attention again and puts it back on Jesus. If any of you have ever fasted and you know, you can get the trap of the enemy is we become so distracted with all these different things. And we're like, man, I just, I just lost the sight of him and his beauty. When your mind is set on all these things, you follow after that. So what fasting does is when you fast, it has a unique way of setting your mind on Christ again so that you can see him. And when you begin to see Jesus, everything changes. Let me, um, let me read the scripture, Romans 8, 5 through 7. Look on the screen. Look at this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this all together. Verse 5 says this. Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have what? have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Are you seeing this? But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have what? Have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So here's the issue is that their minds and they're consumed with all of these earthly things. And the scriptures say that when our mind is set on fleshly things, not necessarily wrong things, but things of this world, this is how we walk in the flesh. We walk by the Spirit by setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. So what fasting does is when we fast is the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus to us. And when we see Jesus, he begins to captivate our attention again. He begins to... He begins to um, uh, bring a passion in our heart when we see him because he's so beautiful. You see, what happens is actually when we see Jesus, we see what we've always longed for. This is how grace works. This is how we're liberated. Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Who puts the flesh to death? The Spirit. The problem is we try to put to death the, spirit, the, the things of the flesh in our own strength. 
and we wind up circling the same old mountains over and over, you can't do it. If you're frustrated being stuck in cycles of destruction, it's because you've tried to end it in your own strength. Can I introduce you to a greater way? Learn to see Jesus. Why? Because when you fast, these are one of the ways you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see the one who's beautiful. You see the one who actually, that you were made for. You see something that touches your heart. And when you see him, guess what happens? You start desiring him and say, oh, my goodness, I don't want these things anymore. Who put it to death? The spirit did by, by showing you what you really want. Are you, are, you, are you catching that? It's actually, it's actually grace and rest when you do this, and it's not in your own strength. Psalm 34.8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you see how good he is, you realize all that other stuff wasn't really that good anymore. Now, yes, there's many ways that can happen, but fasting is one of the ways to taste and see him. And to realize, oh my goodness, I can have access to this. Why would I ever fill myself with that which doesn't even satisfy? I remember uh, Eric, um, Eric Gilmore. I don't know if Caesar told me this or if it was right from Eric. I can't remember. But I remember it was an illustration that uh, was put to this. And it's so, it just changed. It was just amazing. And I share it often. If you've been through growth track, we've shared it. But the illustration that he gave, and it fits so perfectly here, is um, imagine, have any of you ever looked up at the, sky at night in a place where there wasn't artificial lighting and you saw a lot of stars, right? Some of you have seen that. So whether you're in an open country field or high up on a mountain, you've looked up and the sky is littered with stars. I've been hiking with my dad and we've seen that. It's incredible. With all the lights here, you kind of miss that. But what's amazing is that, let's just say you were in this open field looking at the stars. What's amazing is that the sky is littered, but if you were to fall asleep and wake up the next day when the sun comes out, do you know if you look up in the sky, there's no stars, <laughs> Did they go away? Do you know that they're actually still burning just as bright? The only thing is, is that the, the, the light of the sun has eclipsed those things. You see, when we put our attention on Jesus, this is what happens. All of those inferior pursuits, all of those lesser lights that we felt like we couldn't break, when we start to see his radiance and his glory, all of a sudden those things are still burning, but they don't matter anymore. We found something else that has so taken over our heart and everything else that we say, oh, my God, I want this. And even though those things are all still there, my mind is now set on him. And this is the key to walking by the Spirit. Set our minds on him. Psalm 16, 7, David said, I have set the Lord continually before me. Isaiah 26, 3 says that God keeps, God keeps us in perfect peace, the one whose mind is, stayed, uh, is steadfast on him means you, you ever feel like you're in internal chaos, craziness inside? Feel like, man, this is just, I just feel all over the place. Here's what's probably happening. Your mind is set on so many other things. When your mind is set on Jesus, peace comes. This is why in fasting, if you've ever done it, I am, like, there's times where I just, man, I just, it's all good. <laughs> it just rolls off. My mind is set on the Lord. This is why people talk about intensified experiences with God in fasting. Has God changed? No. It's just my attention is now on him. I'm actually aware that he's with me and walking through all these things. And that's where for next week we'll really talk about the importance of seeing Jesus for, for stirring up faith. But I want, you, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to start praying even into this week of if you feel like there's things in your life that are just, man, they're overwhelming. And just you know this unhealthy stuff that's, that's going on in your life. I want to encourage you. God has given us one discipline. It's called fasting. To see his beauty and by that, the Spirit will put to death those things. 